Welcome to Watch Korean Cinema, copyright Kenneth Bosan, with the added subtitle, This is Korean Cinema. Welcome to season two, therefore, of Watch Korean Cinema. And season one, if you're familiar with it, if you follow the Podcast on Fire network, it's only three episodes old. But Stu, the master and creator of the Podcast on Fire network, um, has you know given me his blessings to temporarily abort his uh, six-part series in order for season two to initiate. And now it's time for my picks. This is, of course, Kenneth Boson. Uh, I have some favorites out of the relatively few Korean movies I've seen. So it's my pick slash kind of the odd and obscure picks that are worthy of discussion. And uh, those picks will sort of come from an expert on the matter because I'm still the novice here. And this first episode in season two will therefore contain a Rufus Elderam recommendation because I, <laughs> you know, because I dug it as well. You can hear him in the background. Uh, I dug it as well. It's therefore a pick of mine as well. So we're talking 2009's Castaway on the Moon. And coincidentally and suitably, Sin Awesome's and occasionally the cinemas, Rufus Duram is here on the Podcast on Fire Network again. So say hello. Hello, hello, hello. And. Joining us after finally having graduated from pre-recorded status is also Hangul Celluloid, Paul Quinn. So welcome to the Podcast on Fire Network. Hi guys, glad to be with you live at last. Oh, looking forward to it. It's um, you, you contributed greatly before and now you're going to be contributing for the one and a half, two hours or however long this will run rather than your usual 10-15 minutes. So, uh, Great stuff. So, some contact information. You're listening to What's Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire network, located at podcastonfire.com. Our email is podcastonfire at googlemail.com. You can reach us on the message forum, all of the co-hosts and what have you, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. If you register, you'll get access to the extensive members-only archive containing cut conversations, exclusive movie reviews, but that archive is sort of stalled right now because we're essentially bringing in the exclusive contact uh, into the bonus episode format that I stole from the cinema. But as I said to Coffin John, I only steal from the best. So uh, there you go. Uh, so you can hear, for instance, our re- review of uh, the Lam Ching Ying movie Magic Cop as a special bonus episode only available on the website and not itunes we are on facebook facebook.com forward slash pof network that is our page but we also have a discussion group so if you search podcast on fire network you will see both the page and the discussion group turn up so welcome in and uh, and uh, come in and discuss uh, movies with us and uh, the shows and what have you we're also on twitter twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire I do my writing and video video reviewing on SoGoodReviews.com and SleazyKVideo.com containing the, that broad, to, to me, cool mix of uh, Ninja Exploitation, Category 3, Charlie Show, 
uh, cool Taiwan movies from an era that everybody has forgotten. Not even Wikipedia mentions this uh, period of Taiwan cinema. Is and it the uh, Taiwan black black movies? We, we I'd like to call it that because it's uh, it's a documentary out there called Taiwan black movies, and yeah. and this period is sort of late seventies, early eighties, and it's it's a cool name to to go by, but it's essentially there's no mentions of it. There's a big jump up until mid 80s with Ang Lee and uh, and Edward Yang and what have you. No in between uh, of the crime movies and exploitation movies that Taiwan yeah. did so well. And they're but, they're awesome. I've seen a couple of them. Absolutely awesome. And that yeah. connect, connects to IFD as well. They presented a whole lot of these and cut them up into cool Richard Harrison and Mike Abbott movies. <laughs> and Pierre Kirby, of course. Um, so you can see that uh, written and video reviewed at those various sites. And I also have a Twitter account located at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. The podcast on Fire Network is, of course, on iTunes. So rate and subscribe. And we can be streamed via Stitcher, available at stitcher.com if you want to download it to your computer. But you also have it available for most common smartphones out there. So just go to your respective uh, app stores and download Stitcher. And Type in Podcast on Fire Network and you can see and add the all the six shows available on the network, including What's Korean Cinema. And uh, since uh, we have some guests here in the POF booth, we'll uh, let them talk of uh, their respective um, respective sites. So, first of all, you, Paul. We, we know you run Hangol Celluloid, but uh, you know, in, brief, uh, in brief, tell us about... Hangol Celluloid. Site's been running about four years, uh, building up nicely. Website, hangolcelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook, Facebook slash hangolcelluloid. Twitter, twitter.com slash hangolcelluloid. I'm easy to find. Um, I'm UK-based. I try and build things across the world as well, but obviously my, my real focus is getting people in the UK to watch Korean cinema to shout for Korean cinema. Hmm. That's really my focus. And it's a mixture of reviews and interviews and uh, even essays and stuff, or how, how deep do you, do you go, actually? Pretty much it's building that way. It started out simply as, as reviews, and the more interviews I've got, the more feedback I've got, the people love them, want more of them. So I'm right building on. those up. And I'm, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm doing papers and stuff, so they're all going to end up as essays on the site at some point as well, you know, deadlines permitting. Yeah, there's never any bad uh, timing for certain subjects, you know what I mean? It's, it's not bound to grow old by March 2012, stuff that you're working on, you know what I mean? So it's... Uh... Uh, totally, totally. It's just yeah. that that little voice in my head that just says, yeah. get, out of, <laughs> "Get out of bed, do some more, hurry up." <laughs> you know, it's it's all down to me. Right, good man, good man. I respect that. Uh, I, I have to say, I'm a little jealous of you guys over there because you guys have the uh, the London Korean Cultural Center is doing that Twelve Directors they're, series. They're going, they're, they're going from strength to strength. This year is turning out to be busy. Yeah. Um, it's 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 superb. I think that they got an award for, you know, what they've done just before Christmas, and I think they've just been given the go-ahead to to just blow it out of the water, which, from my point of view, is fabulous. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty impressive because I mean, we have a Korean Cultural Service in New York, and they also do a, a free movie night that's every other week, yeah. but so far, no directors. 
it's essentially what the KCC here was, you know, last year, the year before. I yeah. think they've just hit really lucky. So, you know, fingers crossed you guys get it as well. I don't, well, I, I'm friends with some of the, the KCC people here, so I've been trying. I'm like, look what London's doing. We should do that too. <laughs> and then I should get exclusive interviews with the directors. <laughs> I should. I, I should get because I am me. <laughs> yeah. It, it, does this all mean that you get um, uh, directors attending o- over there, uh, Paul, as well? Or is it just a focus on directors uh, screening movies and retrospectives without directors in attendance? Well, essentially, they're doing one director a month for the whole year. So you've got, of the four weeks, you've got three normal screenings of some of their films free at the KCC. And the last screening is a paid event at, you know, at Apollo Cinema with the Q&A, the director there. Oh. And sort of, you know, they drag us all down to the KCC beforehand to, to interview them. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's so friendly it's so open wow and it's so intimate as well so works uh, for me right on uh okay rufus sin awesome we've heard it before but uh you know in how would you describe sin awesome now so, that you have a podcast as well attached to sin awesome yeah so sin awesome the website started as basically we wanted to write about films we liked and we didn't care about movie news or what was hot in hollywood or you know pretty much anything like we just wanted to write about movies we liked we didn't want to be like okay we're a genre site or we're a korean site or whatever um so it morphed into that so it's pretty much like just a bunch of people writing like once a week or once a month or who, however often they can write, because most of the people are either in grad school or just coming out of grad school right now, including me. We have things like Top 7 Tuesdays, so every couple Tuesdays we'll do a Top 7 list. Um, we have one of our writers, Brad, from um, In the Mouth of Darkness. He's doing a Western series. I'm about to start a uh, nostalgic film review of movies I watched with my grandparents when I was really little. Um, and I haven't seen them in, since I was little, so I'm like trying to figure out, like, do I still like them? You know, is it worth going back when you have such good memories? Kind of thing like that. Um, and we did start a, um, a podcast last summer with the New York Asian Film Festival as sort of our launch point. Um, but it, due to our schedules, it got kind of wonky. But recently, we've been pretty much every Wednesday, a new episode. We're on Stitcher. We're on iTunes. You can find us on the site. And so the podcast theme is two movies, and we have some sort of thematic link between the two. Um, so, like, you know, we did a, a double feature of Squirm and Slugs. Yeah, I was about to mention that. I enjoyed that one. Um, <laughs> We had an episode called Gingers in Space, which was two Warner Archives futuristic movies. So we did The Green Slime and Wild Wild Planet. Um, and that one's kind of an infamous episode because we were a little bit tipsy when we recorded it. Uh, and then, like, you know, we have tons of tons of things upcoming because we went on a recording roll and have, like, two months' worth of content. Wow. Wow. So, and, and, and I hope uh, I hope it wasn't in like an eight-hour stretch where you went from tipsy to full-on. No, there is. <laughs> well, the, the Gingers in Space is the one. Like we were slightly tipsy, but 
there's an episode coming up where we're just drunk, and <laughs> it's probably the worst podcast you've ever heard. Probably um, the best. We're, we're still gonna release it because it's just you know, it's it's just us fucking trashing the movies we watched because they were horrible. <laughs> Um, and the only way to survive it, we started drinking while we were watching the movies, and wow. then it just continued. Well, at the best of times, that's the kind of treatment those movies um, is suitable for certain yeah. movies because uh, they, uh, some of those movies can be, you know, a trick to get yeah. through without some kind of uh, uh, stimulants. Well, the the episode that is coming up is gonna it's uh it's uh, the Tom Berenger classic Sniper. Yeah, and the Russell Mulcahy horrible film called Silent Trigger with Dolph Lundgren, and it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so that one's a really just. I think I even mentioned during the episode, like guys, this is our worst episode ever. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, oh, oh, so you went kind of outside of yourself because normally when you're inside of that, you know, bubble, inebriated bubble, and you're having fun, you know, what's the best show ever, yeah. guys, isn't it? Yeah, and then you listen back to it, and it's slurring. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of inappropriate jokes, and yeah, we're. I should also mention that we're a very explicit podcast. Um, James and I are both live in New York, and try as we might, we we've made it. I think five minutes before dropping the <laughs> f bomb. Um, well, you don't so, need to worry about it on here either. Yeah. I mean, uh, whenever Stu is on, that's just the default uh, you <laughs> yeah. know, speech pattern. You know, uh, whether where, where he's happy, neutral, sad, or whatever, it's just uh, you yeah. know, it's uh, it's uh, it's colorful even when we're serious. You know. Good. That makes me feel at ease as well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so just sit back, relax, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but mo- moving into Korean movies uh, again, you you're hosting the 2012 uh, Korean Blogathon with New Korean Cinema this year as well. Yeah. So, so, so tell us about that. So new uh, the Korean Cinema Blogathon started when Martin from uh, New Korean Cinema and I were talking about Wild Grounds was hosting a Japanese film blogathon. And I don't think they're hosting it again this year, or mm. maybe they were and I missed it. Um, but we were like, let's steal this idea and <laughs> do a Korean cinema blogathon. So last year we did it, and we ended up getting an insane amount of participation, and people really responded well. Um, and now we're getting, you know, Korean Film Biz Weekly is aware of us, and we're getting a lot more attention this year. So it should be even bigger. So we're 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 Cine Awesome is hosting it, but a lot of sites are mirroring the links because what happened last year is New Korean Cinema had the links, but they had so much traffic, their server crashed. Yes. I remember, so, that. I remember that day. Yeah. <laughs> per, per Martin. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can you – can, uh, so we're going to hopefully prevent that from happening. So even if we go down uh, – I, I think aren't you guys Paul? Are you guys host mirroring yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I'm mirroring it as well. Now, hopefully, unlimited, unless my web host lied to me again. Yeah, uh, so, so we'll you see. Know, they, but a bunch of everybody sites. Everybody should get to it by yeah. somebody's site, you know. And I mean, if you and we also have a Facebook page. So if you go to facebook.com/slash Korean Blogathon. There's, you can download all the, you know, there's a link to the press releases. Uh, people will be posting links up there and mirroring it on Facebook. Um, so there's going to be a lot of ways you can get it. So if you guys are listening, if anyone's listening and they have their own website and want to participate, you can write whatever you want about Korean cinema 
um, and you will get traffic because uh, apparently Korean cinema is popular. Who knew? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we did this podcast is uh, the podcast on Fire Network's official contribution to the blogathon. We did one last year uh, that uh, you were on as well, uh, Rufus. We did. Uh, discussion on uh, welcome to dong Makol uh, last yeah. year so uh, uh this one goes up uh, sort of a week before the blogathon but uh it still will still be linked uh, within uh, when the day hits the week hits so uh it's going to be fun um okay guys before we move into the movie i i know as of today we're recording this on it's uh, like the 17th or 18th uh, well it's the 17th over where you are right now rufus and the 18th yeah. Over here in Sweden, but today uh, there was an exciting announcement, and I I want to butcher the news by talking over. So, who wants to talk about the exciting Kofa announcement? You know, fight. <laughs> All you, Rufus, take it away. All right. So this morning I woke up and I checked my Twitter feed, and Martin had posted a link to Darcy. Uh, I always butcher his last name, Paget. I don't know, who runs the grandfather of all Korean film sites, koreanfilm.org. Um, and apparently, Kofa, who is the Korean Film Archive, has partnered with YouTube and Google to bring 70 Korean films that range from the early 40s to the early 90s for free onto their new YouTube channel. Um, and... Seven of those are going to be in high definition. Um, the other 70, probably due to source material, uh, will be in standard definition, but they will all have subtitles. And these include, like, famous movies, Aimless Bullet, which we did on V Cinema a while ago, uh, Coachman, uh, Kim Ki-young's Woman of Fire, Shin Sang-ok's Flower in Hell, Mother and a House Guest, uh, you have Jang Sun Woo's Road to the Racetrack, Hong Sang Su's Pig Fell into the Well, Im Kwon Tech has General Sun, Sopian Jay. I mean, this is a huge, huge thing because this is a lot of these movies are impossible to see anywhere unless you have out of print Kofa box sets on DVD. I mean, these are like classics of Korean cinema. So I'm, I, it made my day. I was so excited. <laughs> And this, uh, when was the uh, release date for uh, for uh, for the first of the batch, or when does the channel actually open? I, f- I figure I, it, it was not the, right now. Is it March or April? I, I think it's. I think it's actually May. Yeah, right, I think okay. it's in May as well. Um, you know, I was looking through the uh, the the Korean Film Archive's actual press release, which is in Korean, and I don't see a date. Oh wait, no, I see it. Yeah, uh, it's May. And one of the um, one of the movies that was, was mentioned as uh, being in HD quality was uh, one of the older movies. So, so uh, out of curiosity, is the Barefooted Youth uh, a, a classic movie that uh, has been previously unavailable, or do you know anything about that, guys? Totally uh, classic. Yeah. You know, I mean, a, a great deal of those early movies before, before you know, early sixties. Forget it. You're not going to see them. Um, yeah. So. Even getting a, a, a Kofa box set, absolutely impossible, you know. So from my point of view, you know, I've been jumping about the flat all afternoon. <laughs> and, I mean, I actually, I, I wasn't on Twitter at the time, and I got a message from a girl in Korea going, Have you heard the news? So, <laughs> you know, th- th- this is this is huge, not just from our point of view, but for, for everybody. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I mean, it's huge too for from like because I'm an archivist. That's what I'm going to school for. This is what I'm doing, and it's a huge step in the right direction for an archive to do this. Totally, totally. I mean, it's enormous. I mean, the amount of red tape they had to have cut through for copyright is mind-boggling. Wow. Um, and Barefooted Youth is directed by Kim Ki-duk. Not the Kim Ki-duk that's famous now, but the Kim Ki-duk that was famous back in uh, 1964. Um, and it's one of the best, uh, what was known at the time as adolescent film. Mm, it's a very melodramatic film, but it's it's very good. And and maybe this um, uh, amidst these movies, we'll find some subjects for the subsequent episodes in this uh, season two of What's Korean Cinema. Dude, I'm already highly recommending Shin Sang Ok's Flower in Hell. And it's one of the yeah, best yeah. black and white films ever made. I like the title already. So yeah. You know. <laughs> uh, one movie that uh, is um, thankfully not uh, obscure as such is, uh, because it's so recent is tonight's movie of course it's uh, Castaway on the Moon from 2009 directed by and I'm not, not going to try and pronounce anything so directed by Rufus uh, wait who wait, hold on yeah. sorry yes. EA June yeah 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 uh, I'll cut in whenever I uh, need your help I'll just cut that in <laughs> um and, uh, you know, as, as I said, this was your recommendation, Rufus, as discussed on Welcome to Dogma Gold. You had previously highlighted it as uh, as part of a, uh, a top uh, top uh, movie of uh, 09 for you on this cinema, I believe. Uh, on the podcast or in writing, I don't remember exactly uh, what it was. But I always liked the sound of the plot synopsis as you told it. And... Uh, and uh, I can already say right now it didn't disappoint at all but uh, I saw it late you guys saw it way earlier probably so Paul Paul when did you first see it um, yourself uh, this movie Cast Away on the Moon I first saw it 2010 and rewatched it a second time about three days ago um, and the amount of stuff I'd forgotten you know there, there's there's so many layers to it that two watches required as far as I'm mm. concerned um, blows me away you know and and, and, and and therefore like the question you know directed to to the two of you anyway the, I doubt this was you know a huge buzz movie or, or what was the actual word on it as you know as soon as it came out in 09 was it a small or or, or big in, in it, terms of it did averagely I think it made it was. It made, it, it, made was about, it made about four billion won, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, but it was. It made uh, Korean admissions was like is seven hundred thirty thousand or something, and uh, it, I mean, it was the number nineteen in terms of uh, Korean films released that year, so it didn't do that well. But it was going up against. Um, it was going up against. Uh, uh, thirst and um, like I can't even remember what came out that year. Uh, like old old partner was out that year, which was a huge indie movie. Hmm. Um, so it didn't do as well. I mean, his original film didn't do as well, but it was critically well received. Yeah, but this one wasn't really that critically well received, which no. really? which really really upsets me because I I think it's a wonderful film. 
Uh, yeah, I, but I, I think. Oh, also the yeah, it was going up against uh, Hyundai or uh, what does they call it in English? Oh uh, yeah, tidal, tidal wave or whatever. Well, that, yeah. that, that just says it all because that's just, you know <laughs> blockbuster through the roof. So yeah, my my girlfriend is an agent. Uh, good morning, Mr. <laughs> President. Those are all, and and also Avatar, like the the English like U.S. releases were like Avatar, Transformers, Terminator, wow. two, 2012. So I mean, it didn't really have that big of a chance. Yeah, you know, it's it all, it all right considering. Really. Yeah, it was released early early summer. So I mean, it's going up against all these other, you know, it's basically going up directly against Mother, which was one of the biggest Korean yeah. movies, you know. It sounds like it had a hard time finding a bus, even in the fan community. Like you know, you know, let's say you are, you, you're of course a part of the fan community, but you know what I mean. It, it seemed like it was a small movie, even amidst you know the Facebook fan communities and forums or what have you. I mean, uh, no, I, I bet more people were essentially talking about first rather than Castaway and the Moon. Yeah, I'd imagine yeah. Huge, hugely so. Yeah, yeah. This was like very, very under the radar. Um, I mean, when I saw it was in 2010 as well, it was part of the uh, New York Asian Film Festival, and it was rated, the, it was, won the Audience Award wow. for the year. So, I mean, it well, was I mean, very well-received when it was seen. And it has, it, you know, it's won a number of other awards as well. So it, it's been well-received here and there, but just the, the initial thing wasn't that positive, really. Yeah. And as, like you say, up against Thirst and, you know, Park Chan-wook and whatever else, it's going to be fighting a losing battle. And, and not really well distributed uh, internationally, it seems. Like, I, of course, I know of the Korean uh, release, but I, I doubt there's even a UK or US uh, release. Maybe a demand, on-demand release, but uh, I haven't there, seen any DVDs or such. There's certainly not UK, and as far as I know, not US either. Wow. You know. Yeah, I mean, there's a US... Well, see, the interesting thing is um, CJ Entertainment had done a deal with Netflix in the US and this is part of that deal um okay I didn't know that cool. and there are now a huge amount of uh newer Korean films being streamed on Netflix so if you're in the US and you're listening to this and you have Netflix you can watch it um you just have to look up Castaway on the Moon and um you know moving on to our writer director Lee Hyun. Uh, this is this director's second movie, and the first was a movie uh, which in English is called uh, "Like a Virgin." That do, do do you guys know if that made any splash with the fan community, or was it just a critical darling uh, as such? Do you know anything about the, the first movie uh, he made with us? Yeah, it's it's a great. It's it was one of my favorite movies. Um, I just actually rewatched it because um, uh, Goran Topalovic, who runs New York Asian Film Festival, was like had the DVD and I was like, can I borrow this? Cause I need to see it again. So basically the plot of that movie is there's this guy, there's this high school kid who's nerdy. He wants to have a sex change operation cause he, and he's also kind of big. So, um, this coach decides to teach him how to wrestle huh. in order, like Korean style wrestling. And he enters in a tournament in order to try to win money for a sex change operation. Um, so I like, I like it, it, it wasn't it wasn't really well received uh, in terms of like you know people going to see it because it's kind of a hard subject I think to sell to a Korean art audience, but it was well received again critically 
Um, and it was co-directed um, by the same guy that did uh, Foxy Festival last year, or two years ago. And I'm forgetting his name, but it's a very similar, similar like E. Hey Young or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that's him. That's him. So, yeah, again, same with this thing. It was well-received critically by those who saw it, and whoever sees it falls in love with it. And then no one talks about it except for us on podcasts. Yeah, it's always good to raise uh, the profile as much as you can of uh, of these kind of movies. And uh, and, and, and certainly this director inspires confidence, having watched Cast Away in the Moon for me. I mean, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a confidence and skill here. And... Um, without being uh, sort of a flashy director, very, very just concentrated and confident, which is uh, admirable. So uh, so I hope the signs of that in Like a Virgin or, or beginning signs anyway. Very much so. And, that, you know, the, the whole things that he constantly has put in, well, in both films, I guess, and even in his script writing as well about fish out of water, you know, yeah. uh, setting things... Uh, obscure against the the main society that they show in everything and I mean that's a big part I'm going to you know rant endlessly at you later on about Castaway because of that it was one of the the big things that grabbed me the fact that it is so fish out of water it is so anti Korean society as it mm. as it as the morals and the ideals are do you think in uh, in that therefore just a quick question out of the blue do do you think it's a uh, controversial the stuff that he presents on screen or it's still a bit too, too mild so to say to arouse you know controversy no i, I think i well sorry i no, I, I far away yeah i don't think it's controversial because i think he he treats it with such warmth and humor yeah. Yeah. that there's nothing confrontational about it mm. Um, I mean, so these are very, like, sort of out-of-the-normative society's characters, but there's nothing, like, in-your-face, like some more, like, strict drama, indie drama might be. Um, So I don't think there's that much of a controversy around it. You know, and on top of that, he makes his characters so likable that... It can't be controversial because you just you're with them the whole way from the first minute to the last. Yeah, I, I think also we should mention that these guys were known the the two directors that worked on Like a Virgin and Castaway on the Moon and Foxy Festival are uh, like screenwriting partners. Yeah, totally. And they worked on Antarctic Journal, which is not that great of a movie but has awesome cinematography. They worked on Arahan, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, and then they did Arivar, UFO, and No Manners um, yeah. before that. So they're well known within the film industry. Are they fairly young, uh, uh, young guys, uh, thirty yeah. plus or forty plus? Or? Uh, they were like, yeah, born in like the early seventies. Right, right, right. So you know, they 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 went, did the whole, went to film school, art school, did short films that won awards and festivals and then moved on to screenwriting okay move move we're obviously going to talk uh, director more when we reach the review but uh, a little bit about the uh, leading cast and uh, we during the welcome to dogma call episode we you know especially you rufus uh, you know wrote a long love letter to the male uh, co-lead in that movie which is the male lead here jong uh, uh, j jong sorry that was that was pretty ne- good yeah that's good yeah. okay okay yeah. At least I tried. I tried to get through it. But uh, 
obviously I, I like this guy a whole lot in Welcome to Denmark while playing the North Korean general, I guess. Mm. And uh, you, Rufus, talking about Castaway on the Moon during that episode and how this performance was so different to Dong Makgol really appealed to me. Uh, this seemed like an actor who, uh, you know, uh, could throw himself into roles left and right, and Castaway on the Moon is uh, very much a good example of that. But, you know, what is there to say in terms of uh, Jong's career? Do you think it's a very... I don't know, a, a, a very personal career in terms of the movie choices, or did he start out, you know, be, be, you know, being a working actor, and it's only like the last five, ten years where it seems like there's a that there's personal growth going on, really selective picks, or, or is this a very commercial actor? I guess is my question. So, what do you say about that, Rufus? I mean, I think he's always picked. He's always he, early on. He was working with you know Yi Chang Dong. He he was in Greenfish. Uh, he did The Quiet Family, he did Die Bad uh, with Ryu Sung-won, and Quiet Family with Bong Joon-ho. So, I mean, he's picking all of the, like, he's been working with all of these huge Korean, like, genre filmmakers since their first couple movies. So he's 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 had a very good sort of nose for film. I don't know if, like, the early films did extraordinarily well but they did well enough for him to be noticed um and now he's in you know he was in moss which i fucking hated that movie but <laughs> he was good in it um and now he's in uh was it nega sarin uh the uh confession of murder or whatever this is his newest movie or that's yeah. coming out uh, it hasn't and been he, finished yet and he did count down last year as well with jun de Yes, yes, yes. Which I hated, but that's by the by. Yeah, but I mean, even when he's in a bad movie like Moss, I still he's like still him. good. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, my favorite movie of his, uh, besides Castaway on the Moon, that's recent, was Going by the Book. I was about to say, I love that synopsis from that Dog McCall episode as well, where yeah. where he plays that this super cop that is. Uh, you know, good at being a bad guy as well, essentially, you know. Yeah, and that was that was him and uh, Zhang Jin who wrote the, the script. And he, he was also... He's with him over the years, hasn't he? Yeah, Murder Take One, Guns and Talks, The Spy, you know. So he's been working with him since the beginning. Is this, therefore, at all a very, uh, in your mind, you know, a, a well-known actor in, 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 you know, generally, you know, when... The general viewer you think think of you know big Korean actors does does John come up in that discussion at all or is it very infrequent do you think? In uh, my head, in my head, yes. Yeah. I don't know about yeah. Paul. No, mine too, mine too. You know, yeah. he's he's right up there. He's a big name. You know, he's one of the hardest working actors. You you know, if you, if you actually go and try and write down his film, filmography, you know, you just page after page. He's <laughs> it's wonderful. You know, and I, I like the fact that he's sort of. Since he worked with Jang Jin, he's sort of switched from that tough testosterone guy into, you know, guy who can do ranges, and it, it, it gives him far more options. And everything he brings, even hard roles, there's something else there. You know, it's just he's a big name, and one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, for for me who watches so few Korean movies, did they? I haven't watched two movies, at least knowing he was in uh, uh, these particular movies. Uh, it's uh, easy to become a fan of of the actor because, uh, I don't know, he, he commands 
respect and you can see versatility already and i you know i'll i don't know you sometimes you don't even know until a few moves in why a certain actor appeals to you it just appeals to you on a subconscious level as well yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i think i'm kind of in in uh, at that point now because becoming more aware and and just enjoying you know the work that uh, this is great stuff i can't analyze it too much this is just great totally best way to look at it yeah uh one is probably not as as uh, doesn't have as much experience yet as our um, leading lady uh, so uh, I'll, I'll let uh, Paul pronounce this young actress's name and uh, and uh, see if there's a love letter to be, writ- to, to be written for her in terms of her skills as well so go ahead Paul. There is, I've already written it. Um, her name is Jung Rian Wan um, and she was originally a, a pop singer in a band called Chakra um, in sort of 2000 Born in Korea, moved to Australia, went back to Korea, was plucked out of obscurity, joined a band. When the band broke up, she she started doing little bit parts in musicals and films. And, you know, she hasn't done a huge amount of stuff, but everything I've seen her in has made me sit and go, she is, she's phenomenal. She's great. Um, She's so quirky. And the roles she has picked, certainly recently, have all had quirky aspects, including Castaway on the Moon, and it fits like it fits, fits like a glove. She's, you know, there's my love letter. <laughs> and, and and are there any um, more known movies she has been in, or has she been picking smaller movies as well? Certainly, coming up very recently, she was in a film last year called Pain, which is becoming well known. Um, in Love and the War, same year. Very early on, there's a, a really classic musical called Emergency 19 that she was in, which she was just a cameo role, but it sort of set her going, and she was in My Boyfriend is Type B, which was, you know, it's classic Korean cinema. It's huge. Yeah. Um, Two Faces of My Girlfriend, which I thought was awful, but it's well known. Um, so she's, she's, she's picked well, and some of them are not huge roles, but they're memorable roles. Well, then in between the movies, she does dramas, too. Yeah, so she does she, a, lot, been in a like, lot of television. Yeah, My Name is Kim Samsoon, which was enormous. Um, and then she was in the, the Harvard, romance in Harvard, or I don't know, whatever that drama was. And she was just in Salary Man, or she's in Salary Man, mm. um, which you can also watch on Hulu if you really want to. You guys um, are so lucky in the States, you know that, don't you? Yeah, well, we have, uh, well, Drama Fever has really been uh, ramping up their their acquisitions, uh, and they put everything they get on Hulu, and so they've done really well, and it's been catching on with, like, housewives and young, like, college-age girls watching these dramas, so... They've been doing well, which is all power to them, because the more people that are watching Korean film and dramas, the more chance we get to have these deals like, you know, the Kofa and YouTube and CJ totally. Entertainment putting their shit on uh, on Netflix. So, mm-hmm. And even if they're not that good, you know, some of these movies are, like, horrible that they're putting up, but, you know, hey, it's a Korean movie. Well, exactly. So therefore yeah. worth watching, end of, you know. Uh. Yeah. You kind of wish, you know, me speaking from like a Hong Kong and Taiwan perspective, that something like this was possible. And and, and 
you know, uh, like a YouTube channel presenting, you know, officially a lot of obscure movies. But I think uh, it's it's in it's not even red tape. I think it's uh, un- unavailability and yeah. and effort and desire. I mean, they are doing screenings of old old movies. I saw recently uh, they apparently did a screening of um, the early eighties. Uh, cops and robbers flick literally called cops and robbers which is a great movie uh and the director was there and the cast was there including teddy robin kwan who won the award for gallants recently uh but but it's not a movie that's bound to come out on any youtube channel or dvd there, there is a dvd yeah. but it's based on the old print which is not bad but it, it's, it's kind of a shame it, it ends at uh screenings for those lucky enough to to attend such so um yeah. so. i mean i mean it's an it's an issue of um it's it's a lot of it, the issue is that they don't even have prints anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like Hong Kong, I mean, all of these prints ended up overseas in the basement of some Chinese movie theater that shut down, and who knows what happened to them. I mean, yeah. like Johnny Toe doesn't even have most of his early Milky Way movies. That's right, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> Which is something I'm, as an archivist, trying to fix. Uh, I mean, the, the other issue is that digitizing these film prints is monumentally expensive mm-hmm. and there just isn't a a commercial value to a lot of these films besides yeah. like a small number of people mm-hmm. um so it's it's a hard sell to be like hey let's digitize this and create a movie on demand sort of thing which is why i think korean film archive is smart by putting everything for free up on youtube because mm-hmm. then it creates value because then they say hey um, like a hundred thousand people watch this on youtube there's value here if we release a dvd you know that's limited to like two thousand at least it will sell out yeah exactly smart move yeah well uh just going back to that co-financement a little bit uh, would this be um Movies that have never been subtitled and therefore they they they've recently been given translations. Is that the case? You think? So uh, I, I'd say most of them from the list, uh, the number, the everything that was on the list that they they released has at one point been subtitled either for a retrospective or a film festival or uh, what have Something. you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to hazard a guess and say a lot of the subtitles are fairly horrible. Well, while I'm from Hong Kong cinema, I don't mind that. You know, <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that's that's just an issue with early Korean cinema. So, I mean, that, that's probably where they're pulling it from. Um, right. Because these, like, the archives really haven't caught on to the fact that there is a large community of people online that would subtitle this work for free if you gave it out for free Mm -hmm. like if you give a youtube thing and be like hey watch this movie can you help us subtitle it and engage the community then you'll get a much better subtitle translation i mean there's a like all these people that do all these shitty k-pop translations you know like i don't really point yeah you know like you know like there's a huge community they should be like hey guys will give you access early access or you know some perk if you do this for us and they get work and they they're not spending any extra money you know yeah yeah definitely a, a, a plan and it seems like it's not a rabid uh, fan community in the worst of ways you know what i mean there's nothing wrong with a rabid fan community uh, and enthusiastic fan community but uh, depending on the circles uh, 
you um, you know or rather depending on the movies you're a fan of it uh, you know it can go both ways in terms of the fan interaction uh, so some aggressive some not so aggressive i guess is my point but uh, yeah uh, but they, it's a very cool announcement. It warms my heart to to see. Uh, <laughs> segwaying into something that uh, probably isn't warming uh, anyone's hearts is uh, there's been an announcement of a Castaway on the Moon remake. Oh God! And uh, if this news is uh, current, I don't know if it's still on. I don't know either. But uh, regardless, we, we'll for, for the sake of discussion, we'll say this is on. And CD Entertainment is apparently uh, supporting this remake attached to direct and i'm not judging mr mark waters based on movies i haven't seen but it is the director's uh, director of poppers penguins who is attached to direct this and i mean um, he he also directed mean girls i was and, about to say yeah, yeah, which yeah. was a good actually pretty clever and spiderwick chronicles which i saw with my nephews and they really liked and i thought it was pretty fun so i mean but eh, this why yeah, there's the question. Why? And out of all movies to pick, it's it's not like you know it's the high-profile Korean number one attended movie of that exactly. year. That whoa, that we're gonna capitalize on. It's uh, we can do. We can put a fic, you know fictitious island in the middle of uh, New York City as well. You know, it it's a small movie, and apparently this was sold well by CG Entertainment to the point that they are going to remake it. When that will happen, you never know. These things take years, but uh, do you at all see any any possible positives in this, uh, Paul? Or do you think? I mean... Oh. You're not going to get many positives from me, I have to be honest. I mean, I, I have a bit of a problem with English language remakes of Korean films because of the films they choose, because of the difference in culture and you know you, you go back to my sassy girl it, it was just, <laughs> oh, God. I, you know i have to do it. it it was destroyed here because of the cultural differences castaway in the moons it's exactly the same thing the whole separate from society complete loser suicide who's who's going to pull himself together by being separate that's a big thing in korea it's not here if you're separate here well you're separate and certainly in terms of the uk regardless of who talks about big societies and localism it's a different thing community's different here than it is there it i just don't see it working and i'm gonna watch it because i have to and i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna swear at the television because i always do (laughs) <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, I don't see the point. Release it on DVD, subtitled. Or even there dubbed. You go. Even dubbed, it, yeah. Mm. Um, if, if it must be, yeah. But, you know, don't remix something that doesn't need to be remade. You'll, they, they'll just mess it up. Yeah. I also don't like usually creating remakes. However, this one, I could see potentially working... Where, like, if they do it right, where American, like, social realities are right now in terms of the economy and unemployment and everything. And so I could see, like, if they do it smart, it could potentially be a decent remake. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd have to agree. Like, this is not, like, if I had to think about movies that I would remake from Korea, well, I wouldn't. But this yeah, would not well, be on yeah. that list. That hypothetical list, this would not be on it. You know, th- a... to, to me, it was like, 
when they were going to have Queen Latifah in um, My Wife is a Gangster, or they were going to do, like, the uh, High Dharma remake. And I was like, all of the jokes in that movie are based on Buddhist religion. Exactly. <laughs> How are you going to exactly. translate that? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we're just going to have it in, uh, like, uh, a nunnery. And I was like, so it's going to be Sister Act. Because <laughs> that's what that movie is. Yeah, you know? Yeah. Do you guys know if there are any other remakes that are still on that people are dreading Korean remakes? Uh... No, but pe- I mean, people are dreading Akira, which keeps getting on and off. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 I mean, I'm, I'm not like, I sometimes really enjoy remakes. Like, I'm on record as saying I enjoyed uh, Let Me In more than Let the Right One In. I, I didn't well, even see, enjoy I, I... the original one, and I'm from the fucking country yeah. it's from, and I, I was like, yeah, it's okay, but I don't know. Well, we all agree on that, and I'm proud to say that I agree on that. But you know, I agree. I mean, I think there's a smart, there's smarter ways to make it, and I think part of this is CJ Entertainment is really pushing to try to break into the American market. Totally, yeah. Um, and, I mean, Korea, Korea in general is trying to push. I mean, Girls' Generation was just on fucking. Letterman and like I hate Girls Generation and it was one of the worst and even besides that it was one of the worst misunderstanding miss like I mean missed opportunities you could possibly have mm. you you want to bring a Korean act to America bring Drunken Tiger <laughs> or something that like Americans can like actually understand because Americans don't get the cute sort of sexy but demure schoolgirl thing yeah it doesn't work in this culture in this country you know you have to either be britney spears or you have to be like uh adele you know yeah so let's just say it's probably the last piece of negativity in this podcast yes <laughs> because yeah now, pretty much yeah so now, now we're into a sort of scheduled break a little bit of break music and we'll talk of the the uh, plot of Castaway and the Moon and our joint discussion of this uh, brilliant movie. So we'll be right back after the break, guys. Welcome back, and uh, it's time really to give you listeners a, a, a bit of a more firm plot of Castaway on the Moon, Al- although the discussion that you just heard in the prior hour here has uh, given you quite 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 an idea of uh, what this movie is about. But regardless, uh, the plot from, um, from IMDb, I think. Uh, after failing to kill himself by jumping off a bridge, a man is washed up on a deserted island in the middle of the Han River, but within view is the city's high rises <laughs> and uh, he attempts to escape but uh, he's he, he can't swim uh, he never learned to swim and he soon accepts his fate as uh, you know being a castaway and uh, and the challenges in living on the island he he has to take on and cut to a reclusive young woman who takes close-up shots of the moon and has not left her apartment in years and she starts spying on him on the island as she thinks he's an alien 
literally. So <laughs> that's your quirky setup of this somewhat quirky, funny, and uh, very touching movie as well. And even though we, we, we've set up that uh, all three of us kind of like this, I, I, I would still like to hear your first initial like bite-sized thoughts of uh, of the movie movie before we go in depth so if we, if we start with you paul what do you want to lead with in terms of uh, your thoughts on castaway on the moon um essentially for me three things made it stand out made it what it is the references underneath the narrative the performances which are just wonderful and the humor the quirkiness and the just the tiny, tiny little, almost passing things that just make you sit up and go, wow, that's just so warm, so beautiful. Um, it's a lovely story. Warm, uplifting, and it says so much about older films and what they try to put across about Korean society, which I keep going on and on and on about. Right on. So, but yeah, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit obsessed with it, you know. <laughs> uh, right on. So we'll, 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 we'll stop you right there. And uh, what, what would like be the first thing you say to someone, to someone about Castaway and the Moon Rufus, uh, to really capture them, you know? It, it's just, it's a beautiful story about outsiders. That's, I mean, I don't know. Like when I first saw this movie, I, I had heard about it, and you know didn't really know what it was about just sort of offhand and i saw it in a press screening and i think immediately or a press screening for the new york asian film festival and i think immediately everyone that was in the audience was just kind of like we all knew we just watched something special um especially because at that time there was kind of like a period like right before that where there weren't that many good korean movies you know, Korea was really trying to do a lot of these big blockbuster movies and it wasn't working out well. And I was just kind of, this movie brought back to me sort of what I fell in love with Korean film in the first place with like these bizarre storylines that were multiple different genres mixed together. I mean, you know, like the best, I think this movie is sort of like, it's sort of like Amelie mixed with the Tom Hanks movie Castaway. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. You know, so it's like this kind of like, and it's a very sad movie, but it's wrapped up in this this way that you just love all of these people in it. So, yeah, uh, what well, what I would say as, uh, uh, which wouldn't make sense to anyone uh, in terms of uh, them wanting to know if this movie is any good or not. But I would just say, you know, duck boats for the win. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, you know one of the loveliest images in the film for me is the image of the duck boat, which is even in uh, one of the um, uh, opening logos in the film of the production company. Uh, possibly there's the there's the duck, <laughs> and uh, you know t- talking little about setup, and we uh, you know essentially we we'll, we'll talk of that male the male character and the female character because really the movie is structured in that way that there's a one-man show and there's a one-woman show and then they sort of get together. Yeah, it's a very simple, clear structure. So I, I love that this movie quickly sets up where it you know, just sets the plot into motion. There's no 20 minutes leading up to uh, Kim, I think uh, the credits yeah. refer him as male Kim and there's the female Kim. There, there's no setup yeah. of him, you know, 
going to the loan sharks or, 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 the, or the company and all of that. It's just a quick phone call and he clearly is uh, suicidal because of the interest and all that. And boom, we don't even see the attempt at the suicide. He's already at the island and I don't think we're even two, three minutes into the movie. Yes. And, and, and then, then, you know, you, you got to admire that, that there's, there will be depth, but there's no need for a huge setup. And, uh, you know, the, the mix of humor in this movie, I, I laughed, of course, and uh, most of it made me smile rather the humor. But obviously, an early example of very silly humor is when he spots the man on the boat passing him on the island, you know, trying to alert him to his presence, you know, save me. And that's, you know, you know <laughs> that man on the boat with his, with his shit-eating grin, you know, hi. Hi. Yeah. No, no, and and it's very easy, and it doesn't say anything about what we're going to experience later in the movie. The, the kind of sadness and you know lightheartedness and depth that is on display, and and uh, uh, you know I love it. You don't see many movies, guys, that sets itself up quickly and well and get viewers into uh, into the movie immediately. You can't miss the first two three minutes of the, this movie because then you're possibly lost. Yeah. Well, that's what actually happened with my roommate while I was watching again the other night. Is like he totally missed out on the first couple of minutes, and then he came in and he was like totally confused as to how <laughs> this this woman in an apartment could see a guy on what he was like. That's a tropical island, you know. So he just like he was like, "What world is this?" And I had to explain it. He's like, "Oh, that makes so much more sense." Well, well speaking of that, did, uh, I think I saw in your notes as you sent me. Did, this is uh, uh, not part of the actual geography here in yeah, in, as far, in the as, Han as, River. As far as I mean, there are islands on the Han River, but as far as I know, this is a total, totally fictional island. I, I could want, be wrong. Yeah, you, you wonder because it's a if it's a lot of more, therefore. Uh, well, well, composite shots aren't any revolutionary thing, but uh, obviously they, they probably use a, a fair bit of special effects to, you know, connect the island to the to uh, the actual uh, to the actual city and the and the high buildings and all of that. I kind of hate to burst your bubble, but it's real. Oh, it is. It uh, is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's two little islets that are in the middle of the Han River. What a and wonderful idea, then. You know, to, they, uh, it's actually got you know, protection status because there's loads of birds and wildlife on them. And what the one of the big bridges goes right across the top of one, I think it's the West Island. Um, so it is real. Uh, what, what, what wonder if the filming was therefore very strict in terms of what they could put on the beach and what they could not put on the beach and in, in the actual lab. Uh, Industrial forest, if that's still part of that island. So you wonder if it yeah. was very a meticulous uh, shoot and and people, you know, uh, you know, peer, <laughs> looking over the filmmaker's shoulders at all times, making sure they don't fuck, would, up, fuck up the island. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. Wow. And yet it doesn't show. You know, it seems like they had so much freedom to 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 play and make exactly the story they wanted without any, you know, intrusion. And, uh, and regardless of uh, how it was, you know, it came, it, it came through where, uh, you know, the intentions of the movie comes through. And, uh, and what this movie, you know, partially is about is, in my mind anyway, I don't know what you guys feel, is uh, char- this particular character, main character, you're rebooting 
his life completely and uh, it, it seems like no initially no aspects of society is working with him not yeah. the emergency uh, number 911 nope they think he's a loony, he's a loony. his uh, ex-girlfriend doesn't want to talk with him telephone companies as they always do you know uh, telemarketers and say and uh, salesmen saleswomen call at the most inappropriate time you know th- there's nothing in society that actually seems to work for Kim but but then again you since you don't have a setup for him you 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 can draw conclusions that he's not been a very responsible you know guy because he's gotten himself in debt to such an extent you know what i mean so it seems like he needed to you know clear out some some ill behavior too and uh, so so it's a good ti- it's a good timing in his life to have a you know castaway situation uh appear in his life you know a complete reboot uh, uh, but I don't know how, how you guys saw his uh, sort of a journey in that regard uh, so, so what do you think Paul in terms of his journey well I mean from my point of view like you say you know ignored by everybody even when he's talking nobody pays any attention at all and he ends up like you say having to go there and, and reboot and almost as the film goes on as as the female character sort of moves towards rejoin in some sort of communication he's gradually moving away and you know later on you see the boat going past he goes and hides because he's actually happy in his own skin and you know those constant voiceovers man doesn't say very much but he's got a lot going on inside and he almost gets happy in his own skin which he wasn't when he was part of society mm-hmm. you know I mean, it's a very, it's a quirky film, yes, and uh, if realistic, you know, properly realistic, who knows? But uh, I, I, I certainly felt there was a sort of a very human portrayal here, and uh, and and it doesn't really stop when he arri- arrives at the island, you know, because he, he attempts a second suicide when things, you know, turn against him as well. So it's it, it, it it's a shame that you know humans look for the simple solution out, but. You know, thankfully, going back to essence, going back to nature, which uh, Kim obviously does, is uh, you know, is uh, beginning uh, beginning part of his uh, journey to 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 make something. I don't know, make something of himself, because one of the main goals, which is funny and heartfelt at the same time, is him trying to make noodles, black bean noodles. Yes. That's the uh, ultimate yes. ultimate desire. Not because he's hungry, but I saw it as. I want to make something myself, and I don't want to. I don't want to get it there, handed on a silver platter or a platter at all, literally. You know, totally. Yeah, totally. Which, which is like my favorite. I think the whole sequence where she orders him the black bean noodles, and the guy has to pedal all the way out to the island. <laughs> Why me? Why me? Why is this yeah. happening to me? <laughs> and then, and then she gets there, and he's wa- she's watching, and he just like refuses. You know, even though this is something he's been desiring, it's not, you know, he's like, I have to do this on my own. He's like, he is essentially reasserting himself into the world f- through doing that. I mean, I, I was just like, I, I think that's like a really powerful message mm-hmm. that this movie does really well. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, from... Fro- we get we're getting thrown into this, and uh, you know, speaking of uh, male actor Jung J. Jung, what a physical actor! Yes, <laughs> very yeah. ugly it up. I mean, I if if I didn't know, I I wouldn't draw 
you know, a straight line to, ah, that's the guy from Welcome to Dongmakola, you know, because he's ugly up even pre the suicide attempt uh, because he doesn't, he, he sort of long hair, sloppy hair, glasses, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, during the first 20, 30 minutes, he's throwing himself, uh, you know, he's on the beach in the mud. We get on screen snot and drool and crying, and there's a poop scene. You know, yeah. neither the director or the actors, you know, this, this, I'm, I'm, I'm too good for this. This is beneath me. Shit, no. They are just throwing themselves into it. And what an admirable stance for, for the movie. It's not done for attention to, uh, you know, to provide fairly brothers humor or what have you. Look at the poop scene. It's, it's part of the actual character arc. And I, I love, you know, the, the writer and director and the actor for this, uh, you know, we we have no reputation to maintain, and we uh, rather we will retain our reputation. We don't need to answer to our uh, pop star status or what have you. Just we can do what we want. Yeah, that's something I appreciated about this movie because it's like both the guy and the girl. It's not just oh, yeah. you know yeah. they're both you know not looking good. Yeah, you know, and they're both portraying people that have serious issues. But it's done in a way that's not patronizing, it's not degrading, it's just, like, you stop caring about what they look like. And the girl even goes through that sort of cycle herself, because as a shut-in, she has this whole Psy world, which is kind of like the Korean equivalent of Facebook, mm-hmm. I guess. Um She has this whole life and this whole alternate persona on Psy world. Yeah. You know, and then once she's found out, she has, like, this, like, everybody turns against her and is like, oh, you look like a ghost. Oh, you're so ugly. You need to get a tan and blah, 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 you know. And this sort of, like, nonstop incoming of all of these, like, horrible things. And she just sort of breaks down, and that's, like, her catalyst to, like, part of her catalyst to, like, get out of her room Mm -hmm. that she's been living in for God knows how long. Mm And change perception of reality too, because uh, yes. at the early stages, I don't think she perceives reality at all. You know, correctly, she literally thinks that's an alien down there showing his dick to uh, to the city. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> you know, he's a freak, is the what, what the yeah. subtitles say and all of that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but uh, I I might actually, uh, you know, to an extent, I think this movie could be tough for certain audiences because it, there's a lot to accept lot lot uh, of facts uh, you know m- matter of facts that she is who she is and that this is largely you know one man show for a few reels and one woman show for a few reels it's not necessarily commercial material this and in, in particular in regards to her though because she's very much out there so no wonder it kind of is a small movie that is gradually being discovered and no wonder it also to an extent wasn't a huge success because it it is difficult material it is challenging material and odd material you know what i mean yeah there's a lot of uh you know suspension of disbelief in this film like i i don't think my girlfriend enjoyed it as much as i did because she was kind of like why did he just do that or you know what i mean there's a lot of there's you have to be willing like amelie you have to be willing to forego the sense of reality to live in these characters worlds you know, and there, there, there is some gross-out humor 
or jokes, you know, that could turn people off if yeah. they really don't like bird poop, for instance. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I think my favorite sequence is when he's trying to get the eggs, and he keeps trying to climb the tree, and he finally gets, like, up really far, and the bird just shits on his head. <laughs> and there's, like, yeah, that yeah. shot where he just, like, slides down the tree. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a quite a good take on uh, you know quirky kind of subdued humor because they, they, there's no huge you know Hong Kong style IR you know reaction. Oh my god, I got shit on me! Oh my god, it's yeah. just okay. That didn't work. I'll yeah. just revert back to position one again. <laughs> but but it's it's um, despite that being broad, it, it, it's obviously it connects to a reality. I think that we as humans when faced with completely different circumstances out of our control where we have to adjust to completely new circumstances we kind of do i hope anyway thrive and uh, and learn to adjust to our surroundings and that that's certainly a point here that uh, kim's it almost seems like kim's brain uh, gets uh, you know uh, certain areas of it are completely unplugged and his uh, creativity starts flowing you know he makes the connection between <laughs> you know, bird poop and seeds, and yeah. and his own poop needing to be uh, more healthier for him to you know fertilize the land and grow seed to make his noodles. It's all of those kind of I gotta do this, gotta, gotta do this, gotta do this, and it seems like he if if it's wonderful to him to be to to think to think like that, to feel creative, to know exactly what needs to be done. You know, so he, he even says in the subtitles anyway, desire makes humans smarter. Which uh, is a clear signal that uh, it's going rather well, and and there's never any. It doesn't seem like he, uh, you know, dislikes the life after, you know, even after a short while on the island. It seems like this is my life now. It's not too bad. Yeah. You know, you know, it may be fish that I eat every day, you know, but it's fine, and uh, he doesn't need to spare his own foot every day when he yeah. <laughs> when he tries to catch fish. You no, know? he, he he learns that. You know the hard way. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the fish thing was weird too, because it's like he's eating like poisonous fish essentially. Because he like, I don't know if he poisons the fish or the fish are poisoned, then he eats it, and then the bird dies while he, they're eating dies, the fish, yeah. and then he eats the bird. I'm just like, oh my god, this guy's gonna die. Like when I first watched this, I was like, <laughs> oh, Korean melodrama, like. <laughs> 30 minutes from now, this guy's going to be dying on the islands <laughs> and something horrible is going to happen. Seems like he develops an iron stomach, I guess, during yeah. his time on the island as well. Although I do have to say that I did enjoy that, even though there is like some sort of emotional parts, this never descended into the trap that most Korean comedies fall into of someone, no one gets cancer <laughs> no one no one finds yeah, out yeah. that they're secretly related you know no one gets raped you know like there's 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 tragedy but it's within the realm of the story and it doesn't seem like contrived to get a tear you know it, oh, it's all, uh... all 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 very like much relatable in the world that they this director has created yeah uh, I want to ask uh, you guys, if we start with you, Paul, uh, what do you think of uh, Director Lee's, uh, you know, um, let's say, skill at making, you know, several reels of just one, essentially one actor 
I think you know, in the frame, you know, because that skill, you know, to maintain interest, that takes a whole lot. You know what I mean? So, what do you think about that? Totally, and it, he does it really well. I mean, he switches from a lot of very long shots that he manages to keep emotional content, and you can still see every move on, you know, the character's face to close-ups to. He just keeps it moving nicely, mixes it with really quirky music, and it just it holds you in there. Um, this is only a second film. You wouldn't believe it unless you actually saw it written somewhere that said it was a second film. Oh yeah, very, uh, very you know, very short, and uh, and and even you know, it, it it even though it's good that certain flashbacks are there to kind of fill in some uh, so, some gaps. Uh, and uh, some fantasy sequences, even I, 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 I could have watched, you know, and almost endless reels of just Dr. Jung doing his thing, you know, in the beautiful widescreen frame and all that. It's just uh, when actors are great, that they're mesmerizing to watch for for hours, really. You know what I mean? Exactly, I totally agree. And the fact that there's so much narration, if you like, you know, voices, his the voice in his head. The fact they can get away with that when usually that would drive me screaming out of the room. Mm-hmm. The fact that it, it still holds me just shows how accomplished a work it is. Oh, what well, 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 speaking on that voiceover, by the way, one trap they didn't fall into was actually having even more scenes of him talking to his um, his uh, well, well talking to himself really because there were only. S- there were only a few select moments where he did talk to himself, but it kind of made sense because it's within, uh, you know, after after a letter or two from from the girl that he starts essentially, you know, he, he needs to communicate, you know, externally rather than communicate all within himself. So I can't, it, it's uh, I, I like the choice in that regard that uh, yeah. at that and uh, and that it wasn't extensive. You know, he talked to his uh, uh, talked to his uh, little. Um, uh, thing that he puts in the field to scare away the birds. Uh, yeah, it's a little scarecrow. Scarecrow, yeah, yeah that's right. Uh, but that that's, was only one scene, really, and uh, I could totally relate to that because you you need to bounce off something, uh, usually mm. humans, but this sufficed, you know. What do you think, Rufus? It was a, did, did did you think it was a suitable amount of style in this? Uh, for the story? Yeah, I mean, it was it was very it was very subtle. I mean, there is only a you know the the sort of. I think the floating girl girl Kim sequence mm. is probably the the thing that if you can't get past that, you're not gonna like this movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but I mean, it, it fits within the mental world that these characters have created, um, and I don't think that they're, you know, I think in a lesser director, this could have been like either monumentally boring. Mm-hmm. Or so stylized that you know it would have ended up being like I don't know, even know. There's so many horrible Korean comedies I can't even pick one. But you know, like just some like crazily crazy horrible comedy where you know the girl could have been like super good looking and has like a teeny little scar and that's what she's scared. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the yeah. normal way Korean comedies deal with these things, where it's like you have some hot pop star who's had like a billion dollars of plastic surgery and like the way they make her ugly is like a slight scar on her forehead Mm. and that like so so i think like within the world that this movie creates it's it's perfect i mean i don't think i would change anything and i agree usually uh voiceover narration i'm like oh fuck this movie 
Mm-hmm. All right, I'm turning it off. Mm-hmm. You know, and this for some reason it just works. And yeah, I love, really I love the comedy because it's not play. It's not. It's not like in your face. It's just very subtle. And I, you know, like the sequence where he's talking on the phone, pretending to talk to her in English. Yes. And he's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. trying to think of what to say in English, but he only has a limited number of phrases that he knows you know and i think it's i think it's just so well shot and played that like even at the end like i know you want to talk about the 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 duck boat you know you really feel for that oh yeah that duck boat that was his yeah, home totally. you know so but, uh, uh, i loved it, it. We'll we'll actually shortly move into more of a spoiler uh, spoiler section of this of this discussion. So if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you, uh, there's still, and if you listen to the review, there's still lots of stuff to to experience. Uh, so so go and watch it and come back to this discussion uh, after that. But uh, you know, interpreting the movie is not necessarily uh, hard. Rather, it's. Uh, it's a pretty clear and straight movie, but I still think it's pretty challenging because of the way they set up her and her pattern of uh, behavior and her her particular problem. And, and, he, and, and even, obviously, him in his sort of reboot and his cleansing, it's still pretty challenging. You need to stay on your toes a little bit, uh, which is uh, a good but not difficult challenge necessarily because directly isn't uh you know it's so confident and so assured in his style that it's communicated without you know talking down to us via voiceover that is way too you know explicit and concrete uh, for you know there's no voiceover of him saying god i'm thinking about that girl she must be nice rather they do what rufus just said with the dialogue uh, with him speaking to himself in english trying to simulate what that kind of discussion would be like between them and i i like that there wasn't much to say because they are new acquaintances even though they've never met and they are both starting slowly but surely to enter I don't know a new not a new world but sort of a new uh, angle a new perspective on on their world and uh, and you start anew sometimes with acquaintances and it starts that way you know hi how are you and uh, (laughs) the reason they are talking in English uh, is that she thinks He's an alien, and she uh, that uh, he communicates only in English because he writes, you know, hello and help in the sand, and he thinks she's um, she's not from Korea at all. She's a Western, <laughs> so that's that. That's why they, uh, you know, echo that angle. But uh, you know, in general, guys, uh, would you say it's a still a fairly challenging film that you need to you know f- focus quite a bit on to uh, to to understand to the full. So, so what do you think about that, Paul? I think it's a fairly straightforward film. It, it sort of, it communicates what it needs to communicate without actually saying it. Um, mm. I didn't have much of a problem with it at all. And towards the end, you sort of know where it's going to head, but you, you go along willingly anyway. There are challenges in, in what he's saying underneath the, the main story, but... Mm whether you actually access those or just take it on face value, neither is going to detract from the film at all. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it said what it needed to say. And I, I, I sort of, I was right there with it. So mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't necessarily see it as hugely challenging as what? much as, as reinforcing 
my thoughts on what it should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. I mean, again, it's accessible, and I think that the, the biggest challenge is getting audiences past the fact that, especially she is very weird, so to say. Yeah. But yeah. but ultimately, I think it obviously they are working to achieve hope and working in hope in their respective lives and inserting hope into other people's lives and i mean what one of the best sequences in the film speaking of subtle is uh, when when she finally you know faces her mother for pro- for probably the first time in ages you know, normally yeah. their relationship is through you know through uh, text messaging and uh, and there's always a door in between and and when that happens when she asks the mother to I, I want i want you to buy corn can you buy stuff for me to to grow and obviously she, she's been looking for a life sign forever from, from the daughter. And obviously she's a good mother in that regard. Of course I will. Of course. And wow, that, that was so well played and such a great sign of... Absolutely you know, beautiful. No, she's beautiful. back. She's finally back. Or is she back? But th- this is the best sign ever. Beautiful moment. And the look on her mother's face when she's just standing there, you know, very touching. Very touching yeah. indeed. I mean that that's one of those mov- that's one of those moments that the tears kind of start to well up not because you're like <laughs> sad but because you're just like this is such a happy emotional moment yeah, yeah. and like you're reading the mother's fa- like the mother's I think for the amount of time the mother's in this movie she's like she's absolutely phenomenal mm, totally yeah you know, she's in it for like two sequences and that's it great I mean and I I agree I agree with Paul that it's for me, it wasn't necessarily a very challenging film, but it is, I think, I think that because of the way it's handled, it's not as challenging, but there are, you know, like there is a certain genre of literature or film where you have a main character where you just, is so weird and so outside of the norm, like norm, that, you know, like things like I can't, you know, like there's a book called Confederacy of Dunces, which I can't read because I get so angry at the main character because mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you doing that? Mm. Like, this is so insane and so outside of like how people should act or how people should act to each other that I just can't do it. But in this case, like, even though I'm, I don't live in my closet filled with bubble wrap, <laughs> I can still relate to these characters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird, but after it's it, it's uh, you you quickly get over the fact that it's it's you know it is what it is. You know, it, it's easy to get over the fact because I I don't think directly Lee lingers on the fact. You know, here's the twenty minute reel about why she's weird and shit. You know, it's it, yeah. it is what it is. But you know, when the movie literally breaks out into sunshine. You know, she absolutely shines. You know, yeah. uh, the actress you know comes into her own. You know, Jung, and you know what a you know if you if you move all almost all the way to to the end, you know what a great treat to have the usual romantic movie ending where someone is running in slow motion after the love of her life, or possibly her lover, the love of her life in this case, and the way they treat this by even planting you know a comeback of an established uh, aspect the air raid drill that takes place mm-hmm. twice a year yeah. how wonderfully well directed Lee not got away with this but made us think of absolutely zero of romantic cliches I only noticed it because I made extensive notes that this is challenging, challenging, uh, channeling cliches but 
you don't think of cliches really when you see that scene because it's it's part of the story you're into the story there you want them to meet finally you know totally yeah uh, is that um, it, as an aside that that air raid drill twice a year? Is that an, an actual real thing or uh, or a um, movie convention that they came up with? Do you know that? As far as I'm aware, it's real. Right. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if it's once or twice a year, but it does happen. Yeah. You know, I think the first the first time I ever went to Korea and it happened, I was freaking out because I was like. What the hell <laughs> is going on the ground? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, you have to remember Korea is still at war with yeah. North Korea, yeah, yeah. and and now more than ever, the tensions are high because Korea is not getting along with China, and Kim Jong Il's son is crazier than Kim Jong Il, and Korea's president is like the Korean George Bush, so it's like just not a good situation in any sense of the means. Yeah, the, the uh, uh, another point uh, about the end. It's uh, it, it's uh, it's great to have you know the sunshine of hers. You know, you 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 don't think it's necessarily her that's going to you know bring the most sunshine because it feels like she's the most closeted and closed down character, and that that's wonderful to see because he sitting on the bus just crying his eyes out. It seems like, oh my god, I have to go back to my my, my prior world again and. And uh, and and obviously he's mad at her because the co- communication between them stopped. You know, he even writes in the sand, "Fuck you." Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's incredibly you know angry at the world again. And revert, you know, the, the the threat is real to be reverted to all, all, his old life after he's taken away from the island, uh, which is. Uh, but but it ends on such a wonderful note where they finally shake hands and you know cut cut to black. Yeah. No huge setup no huge extensive ending and then this happened you know <laughs> cut to three months later and blah blah, blah you know yeah there's no like giant kiss with like violins or no, no. you know anything that would normally be in one of these kind of romantic like a korean romantic comedy you know mm. yeah so i i think uh the, the relatively few times i noticed the music was actually probably around about this section of the movie and it was if i remember correctly it was still very sparse music yeah, i don't know if they was it was piano or strings but it was very sparse you know very much in the background rather than you know swelling stuff that ends up in the foreground obscuring the drama you know mm. what i mean so i, I really dug that and uh, just as, as, as my, my final note and going back a little too to 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 the scene that you know brought a tear to my face and it sounds very stupid if you haven't seen the movie but when he eats his noodles, finally, you know, uh, you should break <laughs> down at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And definitely. what a release by, you know, actor Jong. Uh, that moment needs to really work because it's set up so extensively throughout the movie. He's worked his way up a huge, huge hill. And this is the moment where he's allowed to release a whole lot. It's the most, if anything, it's the most melodramatic scene in the movie. But man, it's that moment is earned. Yeah, it, the struggle just to just to get that to that point, and it's such a small thing. Yeah, but yeah, then like I watch this movie and I'm like, oh man, I want some Jaja Bear right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I want to say real quick about the uh, the, the the music is um, he the same guy did uh, uh, Kim Hong Jip, 
uh, did the music for Like a Virgin, and he's also done the movie. He done he's worked a lot with Im Sang Soo, so he did the movie, the remake of The Housemaid, uh, President's Last Bang, Good Lawyer's Wife. Um, so he's not like prolific, but he always does a good job. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As an aside, in that regard, uh, do they often or always release? Um official soundtracks in uh, in Korea for movies? Uh, they it's a used pretty to. big thing. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, is the CD... I mean, the DVD sales are non-existent, so they sometimes don't even release DVDs, but I don't know how, like, if the CD... I mean, there's no, I guess it's you know, there's no pop music in this by, by high-profile, uh, oh. you know, groups are spread, you know, every five minutes uh, across the soundtrack, so I, I, I would... I would think if they ever put a one together for this, it would be, you know, the composed score rather than the picked music. I mean, I know they exist because I have the one for Chingu. I have the the Old Boy soundtrack, which I really like. Mm -hmm. I like the soundtrack more than the movie at this point, actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I have the uh, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance soundtrack. So. Uh, But that, that as... It's the end of my notes. So, so guys, you know, you know uh, the 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 floor, you know, the mic is open, floor is open. You know, what whatever notes do you have that you want to share with us, uh, non-spoiler or not? So, uh, what about you, Rufus? I, I mean, I I pretty much covered all of my notes within the thing, other than like I'm just really glad that I got to share this movie with you guys, and hopefully the listeners can watch this. You know, it's it's just for me, it's one of the great examples of Korean film doing genre right. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think it's very accessible uh, as, uh, as long as you can, as long as you can get past the fact that it's a very magical realist film. Yes. Um, if you can get past that, like these flights of fancy, then you will, I think really like the movie. So yeah, I don't have any like any notes except for the very end sequence, uh, or not the end sequence, but just the 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 duck boat floating off. <laughs> just made you know made me tear up. Uh, kind of delightful and sad at the same time. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's like the ducks going free and into its natural element, but at the same time you're like, oh, he that was his only friend. <laughs> But the duck boat looks funny as it's yeah. moving in the sea, so it's oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not the best CG moment. Don't <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, what about you, Paul? Do you have anything else you want to share with us? Um, I agree totally with Rufus. I'll even go further and say, don't just get past the magical reality. Wallow in it. It's part of what this film is. Um, for me, the best moment, I love the black bean noodles. I love the poop on the head. But the best, <laughs> yeah. the best, the best part for me was when she's in her room and she's decided to go out for the first time. You know, the motorcycle helmet goes on and we get a whole Armstrong walking on the moon thing as she waddles up the corridor. It just, it blew me away best moment in a wonderful film and availability is uh, again as we said you, you can stream it on netflix was it yeah uh, in, in, in the, the u.s netflix 
there there is a local DVD or anyway was a local DVD in Korea. I I have uh, I, I have uh, at least a, you know the single disc version. Maybe it was a dual disc version, but in terms of releases otherwise i think we it's very sparse and at least in terms of uh, english uh, subtitled releases yeah totally totally um i don't know if the korean release is still available i mean not that same as you i've got the single disc but mm-hmm. you know that's because i got it got it back then um where yeah. else you're going to see it your guess is as good as mine yeah, I mean, uh, if all else fails, there 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 should be um, internet sources. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, what are you going to do when the, there's a great movie out there that you can't see? Well, exactly. So I, I, I encourage it in that regard because it's uh, it deserves yeah. to be uh, highlighted more. And, uh, and, and really, this is what I think is the purpose of what's Korean cinema season two. That's why I, 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 I like Roof's feedback and obviously yours as well, Paul, that to find some of the fun, obscure stuff, but also stuff that is obscure for, you know, that isn't des- uh, deserving of that status. And if we can do something to elevate it, even a tiny, tiny bit, then that's all, you know, uh, it's worth it. And uh, and it's all, always worth it to discuss movies, you know, with people, uh, similar-minded people and all of that, and especially this type of movie, you know, so. Very much so. I mean, for, for for this series, at least one episode, I envision going, uh, you know, the Korean kaiju route. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I want to do Pulgasari and Yungari. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, if, well, you know, invite me along for those. Yeah, um, so, if, if, if I can do it, I might be... But there's no subtitles. <laughs> I have access to a DVD of an early uh, Korean animation called uh, Marachi Arachi. And it's a Taekwondo animation from the 70s. I'm like, you don't really need subtitles because it's batshit insane. It's basically like an old man takes two kids and trains them in Taekwondo in the woods. And a giant floating skull comes out of the sky and kills the old man. And then <laughs> wow. two people two people come, like, come and invite the kids back and they just happen to own a Taekwondo school. And they enter into a tournament. And then there's like this secret cable of bad guys that like go out i mean it's just like absolutely insane 70s animation um and it doesn't have subtitles but it's amazing <laughs> by the sound of it, it by the sound of it it's worth seeing without them anyway yeah i um, mean it's just it's one of those things like you're it's not like you're gonna be like what the hell just happened because it's pretty pretty basic but yeah I know I I know IFD I think picked up and uh, it maybe cut up and pasted together Korean uh, you know uh, animes if you will animations uh, and released them uh, English dubbed uh, but um, who knows if it was Korean I know it was you know low rent uh, copies of better animes out there and I know IFD presented a whole lot of those uh, which is great fun you know. IFD is always great fun, and there's always some great posters to go along with that. You know, this looks like Transformers and uh, and Godzilla and Akira in one, and then you see the actual animation that they cut and pasted together, and it barely looks finished. <laughs> it's points, you know, it's so bad. So, so maybe that's Korea sourced when all is said and done. So, who knows? It's a uh, it, 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 it's a very open season. <laughs> this what's Korean cinema, if you will. Uh, I wanted to start it out this way, and uh, you know, for episode two, we might, you know, go the kaiju double bill route because y- Yungari is, 
you know, not thoroughly great, but still great fun. And uh, Pulgasaria, I've yet to see, uh, and it uh, seems like, uh, you know, it, there's a crazy story behind that worth highlighting again. There's a known story behind Pulgasaria, but it's worth highlighting again, again, and yeah, uh, yeah. And, and maybe what Korean cinema for once could be, you know, a, more of a laugh riot than it has been before. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but but so it's, it's all good fun. Uh, so we're nearing the end of the show, so we'll. Uh, go over some contact information again including your your respective sites so you've been listening to what's korean cinema on the podcast on fire network located at podcastonfire.com our email again podcast on fire at googlemail.com message forum podcastonfire.com forward slash forum check out the members only archive if you register but also the newly started bonus episode archive and uh, maybe we'll do one for a future what's korean cinema a bonus review we're also on facebook facebook.com forward slash pof network and if you search podcast on fire network you can also find our discussion group so welcome in and we're also on twitter twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire my sites the writing and video reviews respectively sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com and I'm also on Twitter twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews subscribe to the Podcast on Fire Network on iTunes and rate us and leave uh, some feedback if you feel like it and stream us on Stitcher download it from stitcher.com to your computer as well as from your respective iStores your iPhone app stores and stream us on the go in your telephone and again tell us about the Sin Awesome and Brief Rufus uh, so you can find us at www.cineawesome.com. We're on uh, Twitter at, at Awesome. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as at Rufus Duram. That's R-U-F-U-S-D-E-R-H-A-M. You can email me, Rufus at Cineawesome.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Cineawesome. The Korean Blogathon is facebook.com slash Korean Blogathon. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. We're also on iTunes and Stitcher, um, so it's easy to find and listen to us. So recommend it if you haven't listened. And uh, Hangul Celluloid is located where, Paul? It's at www.hangulcelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash Celluloid, and I'm on Twitter at, at Hangul Celluloid. Easy to find, one name to remember. Um, Hopefully see you on the site and see you at the blogathon. And yeah. Uh, yeah, all of this will be linked in the show post on the Podcast on Fire site uh, for this specific episode. And this was, uh, speaking of the Korean blogathon, our contribution to the Korean blogathon 2012. And we're, we're, we're happy to do so. It's, uh, it's quite easy to provide, uh, to, to provide uh, Korean content, uh, just as long as you surround yourself with the right right and, and great people and uh, we've certainly been lucky to have you guys on Rufus again and uh, thank you Paul for doing a smashing job doing your first so to say live episode thank you for inviting me no worries and uh, hopefully we, we can uh, have you guys on again during this series that I've not set a this is only going to be six episodes or eight episodes because now you know the sky's the limit you know as I said open season on, on Korean cinema so you know, bring it on. I, I like the obscure stuff. Uh, uh, it uh, gives me kicks to sort of uh, examine if it can be examined, you know what I mean? Yes. Oh, so, I, I have plenty of obscure... Did you, have yeah. you guys ever seen Mago? No. no. 
It's a uh, Korean art movie that was famous for having the most on-screen nudity at the time. Right. Fucking on, um, man. It's 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 fucking bizarre and people who there there is some animal violence in the very beginning of it. So for sensitive, you know, people, but it's it's like one of these batshit insane art pieces that you're just like what how did this even get made? <laughs> Maybe okay, uh, I, I've I've got some internet searching to do, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> and if you have any suggestions, of course, uh, listeners, uh, feel free. Podcast on fire at googlemail.com. But uh, for now, we'll conclude the discussion on Castaway and the Moon. So thank you very much for listening. And I've been your host, Kenneth Rosen. And with me was Rufus Duran. So say bye. See you guys later. And Paul Quinn. Take care, guys. See ya.